Welcome back to Hail to the Pod. This is Sam Chang, and we'll and today we're going to be talking about China and its influence around the world. I'm here with my co-host Sebastian Rizard, and we have a very special guest and friend who will be joining us in, with in this discussion. And his name is Garrett Van Blarkham Del Luis. Garrett, how are you? I'm good, Sam. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I invited you because you uh, are very, very knowledgeable about international affairs, particularly the Middle East, China, Europe. And I think the main thing that we have, like the main thing in the United States politics and foreign affairs is basically our relations to China and what is what China is doing around the world. And I want to start off by uh, start off this discussion by talking about the Uyghur camps uh, in China. And I think you know what's happening, right? Garrett? Yes. Yep. So can you uh, just sum up what is basically happening over there? All right. So the Uyghur Muslims is um, an ethnic group in Western China. Um, and the concern that Beijing has is that um, there is a separatist group there that is pushing for their own independence. And obviously that's a threat to China and their image across the world. So what they've done in response is put up what they've called re-education camps to um, convert the Uyghur Muslims um, into more traditional um, Chinese citizens. What they've done before this also was um, convince um, other um, Chinese citizens to move in there to try and dilute the population of Uyghur Muslims. Um, and since then, um, Beijing's implemented more serious actions. Um, it's obviously human rights, human rights concerns. Um, and it's drawn a lot of criticism, but um, no action's really been taken to stop Beijing from um, doing what they're doing. So it's a real concern. Yeah. I think the main thing that about this is it's the massive human rights violation. And I remember writing about this a couple of weeks ago, basically criticizing them very, not too harshly, but uh, criticize them by saying they're oppressing these people. And I think the details of these, uh, of the actions in these camps against this, uh, uh, this group of people, it's horrifying. Uh, over the course, well, like while I was researching this, I think you know that there has been sterilization, um, re-education, basically indoctrination, and also sexual assault. Um, I remember, I think it's like a BBC article, there were accounts uh, from two of the uh, two female victims in these camps and the details are yeah quite disturbing but i think there is not much to talk about here in terms of this is like it's very evident that this is a human rights violation but the main complicated thing is what is what should be the response of not just the United States, but also other free countries and how we should react. Um, 
I want to go to Sebastian real quick. I know you also followed the story. What do you think should be, I guess, the response? Well, I know for a fact that this is a humanitarian crisis. Um, I know for a fact that the United States has spoke out about, um, spoke out against this um, in the past. Um, if we, if the, UN, if the U.S. hasn't already, if it were at all possible, yeah, would we impose sanctions on China? I'm not actually sure how we could go about this, though, because realistically, I think we have to tread lightly, especially when getting into their internal affairs. So just economic sanctions. What about you, Garrett? I think that's probably the most realistic way we can go about um, condemning China for their actions. Obviously, um, this is an issue, though, because um, China is not very willing to back down either. Um, they're very adamant about their beliefs and what actions they take. Um, so it has to be a united um, effort by multiple nations um, to condemn China and just not one singular na nation. Um, what they have, what the whole rest of the world has to do practically is um, pressure China, showing that everyone else is united against um, this, the atrocities that they've committed and um, just show that it won't, we can't stand for this. Um, so sanctions realistically, but um, a collective effort is probably one of the best ways to make a true impact. Yeah. And I think, yeah, economic sanctions are really the realistic thing. I agree with you, Garrett, but I think there's a lot of things going, uh, going about in my mind right now, because like all these things are uh, like, what China is doing and what uh, is like all interconnected and to like, to be specific, I remember sending you guys like these two video links of the, del del the delegation from the Chinese communist party and our, um, our delegation, which is specifically the national security advisor and secretary of state, Anthony Blinken. Do you guys uh, recall that? Basically, the meeting between these two people? These yes. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, like, it's a very, it was a very heated argument, right? Uh, basically, the United States stance is really, we will, uh, our administration is basically prioritizing diplomacy, but we will um, be adversarial and express criticism when when it must be or uh when a situation like arises and i remember in the past month or so that the united states has claimed that the has yeah claimed that the eager um situation is considered genocide and i know canada was part of that agreement too but i think one of the things that the Chinese, one of the Chinese delegation, I guess, officers said was that you attack us because we're undemocratic while you, you, the United States is, are, is basically also undemocratic because of our internal situation, specifically race tensions, uh, you know, br police brutality, 
uh, basically those two things. And I think he was also implying also our actions abroad in terms of, uh, I guess, military affairs in the Middle East. But basically what he was emphasizing, criticizing about us was our uh, handling on um, basically just race tensions. And we cannot, the United States cannot like criticize China because of their actions while we are also committing this basically similar things. And honestly, I, I totally agree with him. I think he has a very good point that the United States should not be in a position to basically worry about other countries affairs, uh, basically their actions that, uh, that are undemocratic while we are, we are basically not handling our like affairs on our own. Like just yesterday or two days ago, uh, eight um, people in Atlanta were gunned down by this shooter and six of them were Asian Americans. And that sparked this overall, not spark, but it also, it continued this, um, I guess, conversation of Asian American hate. And that is also part of last year's conversation of Black Lives Matter and police brutality. And we based, because those um, like issues, we're not really making progress. And this has been built up by like years of instability in our communities. And basically the United States has barely done anything about racism, police brutality, or should I say like very little. And we're basically, our police officers, some of them uh, are based on videos spreading around social media are basically killing Americans, black Americans. Some, there are uh, Americans here, some who have attacked Asian people specifically in San Francisco and New York. And I think overall, my main point is, I think we should basically focus on us instead of criticizing China. I know, I know that the humanitarian situation in China is reprehensible in all aspects. But really, if we cannot handle our own affairs in terms of... Um, like uh, our own affairs, who says that we can handle other countries. So that's basically what I'm getting at. What I have to say um, in response to that is, well, I think it's important that we address our own internal um, issues. I think that's necessary for any um, country um, to do. Um, I think that the influence that the United States has throughout the world, it'd be unfair for us not to hold China accountable for what is, you know, as you said, um, a genocide, um, mass sterilization um, of an ethnic group. Um, I think that with the voice we have around the world, we have to be that, um, that leading voice um, that sets the example that in an age where China is gaining a lot of global influence that we're there to hold them accountable. Um, 
we can't just let China get away with whatever they want because we're afraid of how the they're going to respond to that. And, you know, whether that be a trade war or whatnot or whatever actions they may take, we can't be scared of how China is going to um, reciprocate. We have to, you know, hold them to the standards of everybody else. I would, uh, I would have to agree with Garrett on this one as well. Uh, when you when you look at it, I think for many countries, I think it's safe for me to say that, uh, to some extent, America is the beacon of democracy. And uh, when you when you really look at it, that seems to be the case. Um, I think for the most part, it's uh, it's good that we condemn China for their actions, because frankly, a lot of them are abhorrent, especially with these uh, re-education camps. But I think it's also important that we, um, like as Garrett said, uh, address the issues at home first, because it seems, uh, in my opinion, it seems fairly hypocritical of us uh, as a nation to condemn others for um, their actions when we ourselves are having our own problems. Yeah, when I want to first address Sebastian's um, response. Us being the beacon of democracy has been a title that we have cherished for many years, and we for most, I would say, some parts in our history, we have succeeded in some way. Uh, I could go on in like historical events like, oh, the passage of the 13th Amendment, that is very consequential, very a big thing in our history. But I think that title right now has been tarnished, I, I guess, not to, to some degree because of January 6th. Uh, the Capitol riots, it definitely, I know, I'm not saying that the United States is authoritarian. We are a democracy. And we, we are rooted in democratic principles. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that, oh, it's now gone, that title's gone forever, but no. But definitely to other countries' perspectives, Right? and definitely our adversaries, I would say that they would be thinking that we are becoming a weak nation and a weak democracy because there are some people who would choose to go into capital and disrupt a process that we have been doing every four years and that has solidified ourselves as this, basically the head of all democratic countries and to uh to your point garrett um that we should hold china accountable we should and economic sanctions is definitely probably the most probable way of doing that but at the same time while we have while we should do that we have to also um like think to ourselves well we need to also do that, but also focus on us. It's basically like a good analogy would be, um, I guess, like if the United States was a person, I guess, um, we have to vote, we have to like basically think uh, that we have to basically think that we have problems our, of our own and we need to deal with them. And I, and the point that I'm trying to get across is, you know how um, you know, like 
since our problems, we have so many problems in America, like weakening inf uh, weak infrastructure, race relations, um, political, like like we have a political standstill, political division. Um, if we solve those problems, um, you know, through passage of laws and reforms, we will be in a position of power, a position of strength, of which we'll, we could use that to focus on foreign affairs. And we could, um, you know, since we have a stronger economy, a stronger base, a stronger people, stronger union, we could produce, I guess, better results internationally. If you know what I'm, if if I'm making sense. Yeah, I understand um, what you mean by that. Obviously, you want to present yourself um, as good as you can, so you get the credibility um, and the influence. Um, obviously, if you're succeeding domestically um, and internally, then you're going to have more of an influence because hey, um, it's working out for us. Um, but what I have to say um, in response to that is. Um, you know, just because we have issues at home um, doesn't mean that uh, that's all we have to focus on. Obviously, the um, standard that America's in their um, position in the world, it's very difficult. We have to juggle um, both internationally and um, internally at the same time. If we wet up um, internationally, then we're going to, we have too many connections, um, responsibilities. We can't just cut those off um, to try and focus um on ourselves obviously those problems have to be addressed but we have a responsibility to other nations across the world um that we have to be there for them and we have to set um a standard precedent of um what a responsible country should be and help out those who aren't succeeding and try and hold everybody to the same standard so that would include condemning china um for their actions you know even though despite our own internal problems um, I wanted to say that I don't want to like give off the vibe that I am the basically this America first, this um, kind of nationalistic person because I do believe in a very, very intensely strong union between us, um, you know, the UK, Germany, our allies, and possibly other democratic nations who. Uh, we're trying to get, uh, be uh, our allies, but I think the fo us being this world police around the world and being having this responsibility to basically be this uh, global leader, we do. We do have that responsibility when it comes to, uh, I guess, European affairs, but I think we're some aspects of our foreign policy should be inspected should be like we should rethink some parts of it like the middle east i'm very i want to say this i'm very anti-war or should i say anti-middle east intervention uh we the main thing 9-11 basically started this like massive influx of u.s troops in the Middle East, and we have succeeded in 2011, 10 years later, with the killing of Osama bin Laden. 
that was that's I guess a noble effort to avenge the thousands of Americans' lives lost, and basically going after the enemy. We've been doing that like since uh, going after like enemies for revenge for killing our citizens. Basically, also happened in Pearl Harbor with the, Jap- the Japanese, but. The problem was we didn't stop. We are still there. And from 2001 and now, uh, basically this like 18, nearly 20 year conflict, we've been uh, engaged in this regime, uh, change wars, $6 trillion we have spent there. And I think I read an article recently in our involvement in Afghanistan, right? We've spent $1.5 trillion waging war. And the result is the Taliban controls most of Afghanistan. And also $10 billion on counter-narcotics in Afghanistan. And the result is Afghanistan supplies 8% of the world's heroin. They're They're still supplying heroin, even though the result is basically we have basically um, nothing's changed. And this is from the New York Times. And $87 billion to train Afghan military and police forces. The result of that is they're still not that of a, they're not a very strong, formidable force. And also I think there's one more. $24 $24 billion on economic development in Afghanistan. The result is most Afghan, Afghans are still living in poverty. Uh, $30 billion of our own money on other reconstruction programs. But most of that money, as a result, were lost to corruption and failed projects. And the list goes on. I think there's one more thing that's significant. $1.4 trillion on veterans that have fought in post-9-11 wars and the result is we're still there's still veterans uh, being like coming uh, coming back to our country, and we're still paying for them. It's but for that, I think since the war is like ongoing, there will still be soldiers coming back. They need medical care, and we should provide them medical care. Don't get me wrong, but I mean this ongoing war, there's no really end, an end to it. And more people are becoming affected, our own men and women. They're coming back with mental illnesses, PTSD, and the, um, what was it? The suicide rate is basically 22 people a day, 22 veterans a day. And not only that, um, Syrian, Afghan, uh, Afghan children, people, their towns have been destroyed as like, not like as like, they have been destroyed by our airstrikes, our involvement, and basically caused this massive economic downturn for them. And based on the list of things that I've said, we're not really producing the f- results that we want to have produced. And 
I keep thinking to myself, is this really part of our foreign policy that we should focus on? And basically what I want is basically to stop Middle East, the Middle East, the Middle Eastern affairs and transfer that money to our internal affairs. Uh, and basically focus on infrastructure, getting our economy, basically our internal situation in the right foot. Because right now, China, I want to also bring this up, that the China right now is initiating a Belt and Road Initiative, which is that basically this massive economic uh, plan in which China would go to other countries like Sri Lanka, South Africa, uh, Russia, and also parts of Europe, like Greece, um, other countries in that area, basically building for them these massive projects. Um, and they're, this is a way for them to create political friends, also expand, expanding their influence. Well, we, the United States, are in a position where we're spending money in the Middle East, where we're producing basically not the right results. And our internal affairs are basically, they're, destru they're weakening us. Because like in the past year or two, there's been shooting after shooting, uh, there's been shootings in the United States that are over the course of actually like many years that have, uh, that have been, you know, uh, on the news. And also not to mention capital attacks and all these things. What I'm trying to basically say here is that the United States is in no position to be this um, global leader that we want to be, that we, uh, that we um, basically exert ourselves to other countries um, while China, they're based they're, they're while China is basically doing all these ambitious risk, risky, but also profitable things. And what I'm trying to say here is that we need to focus on us if we want, like, but focus on the right things if we want to compete with China and be basically put ourselves above them, I guess. So we could, in that way, we could reprimand them, criticize them when it's necessary. Uh, um, the Middle East, obviously, that's, um, you know, definitely a different discussion um, to be had, but obviously that still goes under the umbrella of, um, you know, relations. Um, obviously, that's been going on for years now, and no queer end in sight, and a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of money lost, not a lot of true um, improvement um, over how when we first got there, obviously Osama bin Laden, as you said, um, that was a success. But in general, you see the state of these countries, and um, you know. Um, I do have to agree that um, 
our involvement there is definitely more than what it should be. Um, I feel like we've thrown ourselves in there without true knowledge about the situation and now we're just entrenched there. Um, but I think going back to China, um, it's just in this period of China's mass um, acceleration, they've just um, propelled themselves to the world figure. Um, and in many cases, um, that came by doing some things that were very unethical. Um, I think you look at the Belt and Road um, Initiative and you see China um, giving loans out to these countries conducting um, projects and they know these countries can't um, pay them back. So that's in Sri Lanka, um, for example, um, they have ports there um, because they helped build them, develop them, and they knew Sri Lanka can pay them back. So in return, they got those um, ports and harbors, but um, it's important that we don't just let China get away with this because of our own shortcomings. Um, I, th I think it's very obvious at this point, it's um, kind of the US versus China. Um, the Middle East is less of a threat in that sense where um, there's not one um, Middle Eastern country that's as influential as the US or China. Um, so in that sense, um, yes, we could um, manage to be less involved there, but I think when it comes to China, we have to be involved. Um, otherwise, they're just going to keep, uh, they're, they're testing the boundaries of seeing how far the U.S. can go and how far or how much they can get away with. So I think it's important that we set a precedent. And while it's important that there are internal um, issues to be dealt with, that um, our, our focus is um, on China. I think that we can't, uh, manage to fall behind them. I think it's important for us to hold them accountable and we don't really want to see a um, world that's being dominated by China. And once again, to go back to the Belt and Road Initiatives, um, infrastructure um, ports all across the world. Um, and if we're just going to take a step back to focus on our own internal issues, then we're just giving China free reign to get all the influence they want across the globe. Well, I don't think I'm always articulate enough to uh, get my point across, but what I'm trying to say here is basically the path of holding them accountable by economic sanctions. I don't think that's a, the best possible way. I think we should do it, but not the best thing. I think what we should do is basically since they're doing all these things and they're in the future, if we don't do anything, they will be probably the number one superpower. And basically, I, I think I've been going back to the time when we were in competition with the Soviet Union. I think besides the arms race, what we did to compete with the Soviet Union is that whatever they did, we went an extra mile. We did the same thing, but we did extra, like the space program. The, the Russians were basically, they were more successful in space. They launched Sputnik. They put the man in, first in orbit in outer space. 
and while us we were failing to get even get a rocket out of at the out of the atmosphere and what we did we invested more in our space program in which because of uh, president kennedy he wanted the united states to be uh, superior over the soviet union and not through basically i guess sanctions but through focusing on us and being better than them and what we did we he invested billions and billions of dollars into our space program and we built uh what was it apollo 11 uh we put in the apollo 11 crew and we went we thought i guess bigger we had a goal of by beating the russians by showing them who's superior we thought hey why not go to the moon if the soviets put a man out of orbit why not go a little bit further so we did that we put a man on the moon and we showed our technological and economic superiority and i think that kind of mentality should be um i guess emulated right now since china is right now by like there's like a bunch of evidence that they are economically going to be superior or they will surpass us because i think in 2015 they they constructed this what was it um this like 600 feet uh 57 story um building in changsha uh, china and they built that skyscraper in 19 days and we could go on of like how and why but my main point here is is that what we can do to be to reinforce ourselves as a stronger uh nation and stronger foreign force against china is basically emulate what we did against the soviets to invest in our infrastructure to make them more i guess to make them better essentially through the passage of i guess joe biden is working on this infrastructure plan soon but basically the idea is to invest more in technology invest more in our infrastructure invest more in our education which will um all together uh elevate ourselves as this technological power and we could help other countries basically do like a second Marshall plan, right? And invest like loan money to other countries so that they too could be stronger. And overall, once that we do that, we create this like second, I guess, belt and road initiative, like a counterpart, like something of our own design. And once we do that, theoretically, and hopefully, we are we can match up to china's uh uh like pace and ideally we could be one step ahead of china and essentially one level uh, above china in which we could basically with our superior power and superior um you know like you know power we could essentially have the credentials, um, the economy, the, I guess, position 
in which we could tell China, China like properly and successfully um, reprimand them for their actions. So I think, does that make more sense, like of my position? I guess you're kind of saying um, the best offense is a good defense. So um, no direct um, action taken against China. Instead, um, focus on ourselves. Um, credentials and use that or allow that to speak for itself. So our voice will carry more of an impact. Like that's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah. I, I watched this, I showed you, I mentioned this Bill Maher video about like basically, um, what was it? What was it called? It was basically about how China is superior to the United States because we, the United States, not only is our, our like uh, internal issues, domestic issues, like 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 bringing us down, like uh, like dividing us. He also mentions what I mentioned earlier, the economic power and how China has that over us. And he mentioned that the building in China, in Changsha, uh, Changsha or yeah, something like that, that was built in 19 days. And he, and he compared that to what we are doing. What in like, I think Boston, this like a uh, highway of sorts, uh, actually, no, he, uh, he mentioned this, like, like this project in California that costs like billions of dollars. And it took us many, many years to finish that compared to what China did, t- like building a skyscraper in 19 days. And basically, I think he was uh, reaffirming his point that was similar to mine that we need in order for us to be better than China is not to die. It's not to like directly, you know, like more like not like directly engage them. Like what we have to have less of that, but also to, but we need to focus on elevating our economic power in which we could use that to uh, our advantage in terms of uh, diplomacy with China and other nations. I mean, obviously it's a um, valid concern. I think there's, it's a complex issue. Um, obviously there's gonna be multiple ways to go about solving this um, and maybe it's somewhere in between. Um, I just believe that with the way China's been acting there, um, aggressive, they're determined, um, they're unethical. Um, I just think it's important that, you know, we don't back down per se. Um, you want to keep this image that we're willing to stand up to China. Um, I think just saying that we have our own internal issues. Um, if we're just going to take a step back and focus on all our um, problems, then that could just as well be used against us for our lack of commitment to countries um, abroad. So I just think it's important that while obviously there are issues that have to be addressed, they need to be addressed. Um, you know, we just don't lose sight of, um, you know, trying to keep up with them and just 
message that we're not going to back down. Uh, realistically, just to add to this quickly, I think it's more or less, I think there has to be some sort of balance, if that makes any sense. We deal with our own internal affairs here, while, as Garrett said, also holding China accountable. I think what I am getting here is the, I guess, what is, I guess, more important, the long term or the short term? And basically, um, I mean, balance is good, Seth. And uh, I think for now, I think that's like the best possible route. That's the like up in the air. We could do that. But I think, um, well, also, I'm not saying like we shouldn't respond. Like say, like, I, I don't, well, I th- like, I think that the, United States like and Canada's like joint agreement that what China is doing in uh, against the Uyghurs uh, is genocide. I think declaring that that's a good step, but I think my point here is not to really disregard what we're trying to do and based on like like um i guess our verbal like response to like authoritarian regimes like china and russia but i think it's just this i don't know it's a very complicated thing yeah garrett but if in the long term i'm more focused on the long term than the short term because in the long term based on our progress and China's progress, they will be a superpower if we don't do the things that I guess I uh, listed. Not claiming that my solution is basically like all rights, is that we should do it. But I guess if we don't, um, I guess, do anything major in terms of just... um, basically like economically and politically competing with China. They will be a superpower that will probably most likely and some, uh, I guess, no, not really some people, but what is projected to be like, they will have a hold over us if uh, in some time in the future. And if that happens, then there will be more unethical uh, humanitarian issues uh, perpetuated by China. Um, basically, there will be countries within their like economic grasp, and there will be, I don't know, there will be probably more humanitarian instances like that of the Uyghur, uh, Uyghurs and... If that happens, then basically us being a less economic, uh, less like powerful economy and power, we can't really do that. No, you can't really like criticize them because they will have more of uh, more power over us. And that's really my concern, the long term over the short term. And I, it's a really hard decision to make because we have right now a humanitarian crisis in China. 
but it's just I don't know. It's very complicated, and uh, this just I guess what I think of the entire situation. Uh, I'd have to say that you're right, primarily about the long term, because um, when you look at it, especially when you're negotiating with foreign na- uh, foreign nations, having leverage is a very important thing. If we allow ourselves to fall behind China economically and politically, as you said um, earlier, as you brought up, um, we won't necessarily have those leverage that lets that same leverage that we do when we have in negotiating with um, weaker, less developed countries. So it'll also allow them, as you said before, to continue with their unethical um, practices abroad. Um, yes. Uh... To how the current administration chooses to um, respond to this and address this issue, um, it seems though that they're going to take more of a direct route. I know President Biden said that um, they're very supportive of Taiwan and their independence, which is obviously a main concern of China, and that brings us into direct conflict with them over that issue. So. And down that road, though, it looks like that we're going to have more of a um, direct um, competition with China. Building our own credibility. Uh, sorry, I have to interrupt you because uh, your your mic it's coming in and off. And yeah, um, like Sam. So. Uh, uh yeah yeah all right awesome um so you want to just fill me in on what you didn't or what you did here no uh no it's just like your mic you're like going in and out but that's fine but uh, you were saying something can you just recap it um, yeah yeah so I'm, i'll just reiterate then um it seems like under the um current administration we're going to be taking more of a direct approach um that's already been shown by our support of taiwan and their independence so um, well, it does seem like for the long term, um, focusing internally would pay off. Um, it looks like currently we're choosing more of a short, short term, more um, direct approach. You know, I kind of, I know, like, it may sound like I'm contradicting, but like my, what I've been saying right now, right in, like in this episode is that more indirect and less direct but ideally what what should be done is yeah a balance like uh, sebastian mentioned between direct and indirect but the problem is is that i don't really want to point names but you know but or like antagonize other people but basically the united states domestically is not in a position to handle the I guess, indirect uh, part of what I'm trying to, I guess, propose. Because, like, uh, I would just say this uh, directly. If we wanted to pass this major economic infrastructure plan that could, like this probably second Marshall Plan, if we to that could elevate us, elevate other countries, that is a very disputed topic because of expense and priorities, conflict of interests. Um, 
what I can say about the present administration is that they are doing, I guess, the right thing. Uh, I guess the right step. And yeah, just honestly, I hope that President Biden is going to pass this infrastructure plan and be becoming more, I guess, um, of a strong man in, in uh, international affairs, but one could only hope and basically, yeah. But Garrett, like, I just want to like, and Sebastian too, I don't want to like cause like this massive misunderstanding and also to the viewer, uh, listeners too. I just want to like reassure, like, is my point like, a, do you guys get my point? Essentially. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I just wanted to like, overall, just what do you guys just think or what should be done? Uh, personally, I think if, at all possible if there is a way to do this effectively i still personally think that um i th i still personally feel that there should be balance if that as is at all possible and it's beneficial where we can also um, you know act directly and call out china for a lot of the things that they're doing but also focus on a lot of the issues here at home because i know for a fact that if we completely ignore some of those issues you know, it'll be because uh, you you for example you've seen a lot of the stuff that happened happened over the summer uh, you know with uh, uh, black lives matter protests and all the other things um, if we you know put those issues off and we ignore them and we don't address them they could also come back to haunt us in the future if you know think, uh, violence and other things like that spark again yeah at the end of the day it's about striking that balance and doing what benefits the country as a whole so i'd have to agree with you on that for sure yeah this is definitely i think so far out of all the things that we that uh seb and i and other guests have talked about this is definitely the most complex the most uh the biggest thing that will the biggest thing in international and international affairs concerning the United States and the world. And this will, this is an ongoing conversation of which I think hopefully it will be talked about um, like throughout, like, I guess across media, across like amongst people, both young and adult. But I think so far, I think this is a good way to end off this uh, episode. So thank, thank you guys uh, to the listeners out there. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is Sam Chang, Sebastian Rizard, and Garrett. Uh, hope see you soon. And hopefully we have more other, I guess, important foreign affairs related topic coming soon, uh, topics coming soon. So thank you for watching. And we'll see you later.